0: 2023. The time is 4 30. I'm Margot Schaub and I serve as the Library Commission Affairs Analyst. This meeting is being held in person in the main Library Correct Auditorium and virtually on Zoom. Members of the public can observe the meeting using the Zoom system by following the link in the library's event calendar or by calling 1 669 444 9171 and entering the meeting webinar number 847 4873. 1306. Public comment will be taken both in person and remotely by video or call in for each item on the agenda. We will conduct public comment with attendees in the CRET first and then move to Zoom for public comment. Each comment is limited to three minutes unless otherwise noted. To make public comment when connected by phone, please raise your hand by dialing star nine to be added to the remote queue for the agenda item you intend to comment on. Individuals joining by Zoom should click the raise hand button to be added to the queue. Mike Smith with media service operations will moderate Zoom virtual public comment. Mr. Smith will call upon Zoom attendees by name or by caller number for each attendee who wishes to provide public comment. If we experience any technical issues, we will recess and try to address the issue. Please try logging back into Zoom if there are technical problems. Library commissioners in attendance are President Connie Wolf, Commissioners Mall, Lopez, and Bolander.
1: Thank you very much. Hello everyone and welcome to the October 19, 2023 meeting of the San Francisco Public Library Commission. To those of us here in Corrett Auditorium, always delighted to see you here and we are very pleased to welcome our virtual audience via the Zoom platform today. We have a very exciting and full uh, meeting agenda ahead and we will start with the Rama Tushaloni Land Acknowledgement. The area now known as San Francisco is the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatush Ohlone peoples of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the original peoples of this land, the Ramatush Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place. We recognize that we benefit from living, working, and learning on their traditional homeland. As uninvited guests, We affirm their sovereign rights as first peoples and wish to pay our respects to the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatush community. If you have not already done so, all the materials for today's meetings are available to download on the Library Commission webpage um, or here in the back of the room in Corette Auditorium. We have a total of six agenda items today, and we will begin with item number one, general public comment operations how many people have joined us via zoom and have any raised their hand to offer public comment
2: Madam President at this time uh, there are 9 attendees in the zoom and none have raised their hand for comment
1: Thank you very much we will start with public comment general public comment from members of the public present here in Correct, and then we will move to those participating via zoom um, at this time, members may uh, of the public may address the Commission on items of interest to the public that are within the subject matter jurisdiction of the Commission. Um, just to remind you to remind you that the public has the opportunity to address the Commission on today's agenda items when that item is called. So general public comment is now open here in Carat auditorium.
3: Good afternoon, Commissioners, Uh, on a very hot day.
4: Um, This is Peter Warfield, Executive Director, Library Users Association, Library Users, 2004 at yahoo.com and P.O. Box 170544, San Francisco, California, 94117-0544. First of all, I'd like to note that the agenda doesn't make any particular note of the change changes in how people can join, and maybe that's reflected by nobody being on the uh, remote uh, meeting. Uh, not only is the uh, remote meeting access changed for those with computers, but for those with phone access. I'm extremely disappointed that after the library went to the trouble, presumably at expense as well, to get 800 numbers, which would make access free. There's back again, we're back again to 669, <clears throat> which will cost somebody who has a landline with AT&T something like 69 cents a minute plus tax, a huge expense. And the way to raise hand and raise, and show that you wanna speak and so on has also changed with no notice that it has. Uh, I wanted to say in general that um, The library is, I I believe, is a hugely important source of information of all kinds and of enjoyment, but particularly with regard to what's going on currently. There are newspapers, current newspapers, current magazines, uh, and of course, all kinds of current books. We hope they get to the library quicker uh, and history ones as well. That's something that the library ought to not only tout, but also make more visible. In many locations, you can't even know that there are newspapers and there's no sign. Uh,
3: It's hard to take one uh, for reference and so on and so forth. I had brought a... It's the second anniversary of my discussion of
4: Francis Haugen's testimony before the Senate about the toxicity of Facebook and other social media sites. Uh, Facebook, she said, values profits over safety. And now it's gotten pretty bad as well. The Sunday New York Times, October 15, has a headline, Online Deceits Make the Truth a War Casualty. And it talks about how much misinformation and disinformation is going around about the war between Israel and Hamas, and goes on to say that it actually is causing a doubting of the more reliable sources. And the unique difference is that the times can be sued for libel
3: if they make errors, but X and Twitter cannot.
1: Thank you very much. Is there any other further public comment, general public comment on this agenda item? Seeing that there's no further public comment here in Correct Auditorium, we will now move to um, those participating via Zoom. For members of the public on Zoom who would like to make public comment, please press star nine to line up to speak or press the raise hand button. Operations, Um, if there are any commenters in the queue, could you please begin to put them through?
2: Madam President, there is one caller in the queue. I will put them through now. Caller Carrie, your three minutes begin when you start speaking.
5: Great, thank you. I hope that my unmute button worked correctly. My name is Carrie Blanding. I am the new interim executive director of the Friends of the San Francisco Public Library. I'm sorry that I'm not able to be present in person tonight, but I do hope to join you in the future. And I wanted to just stop in at least virtually during this public comment time to briefly introduce myself and express how excited I am to be working in support of your wonderful library system As I said, I am the new interim executive director at the Friends of the San Francisco Public Library. I'm a professional transition consultant specializing in this type of role, and as such, I will not be a candidate for the long-term position. While I'm only here temporarily, I do have a strong personal connection to libraries. My grandmother was a librarian, my mother volunteers at her local library, and I volunteer at a local school library. Um, I just started a few weeks ago with the friends of the San Francisco Public Library, and so far I have had the pleasure to meet your city librarian, Michael Lambert, and many of the members of his wonderful team. I just wanted to say how thrilled I am to be working with you all, and that I look forward to seeing you all in person at the next meeting and continuing to support the outstanding work that you do. That's all.
2: Thank you, caller. Madam President, at this time, there are no additional callers in the queue.
1: Thank you very much, and thank you um, and welcome to the new interim director of the San Francisco Friends of the Public Library. Delighted to have you participate. Um, Seeing that there's no further general public comment uh, via Zoom or here in Corrett Auditorium, general public Comment item number one is now closed and we will now turn to item number two on the on the agenda, which is discussion and possible action to approve the September commission meeting minutes. We will open public comment before our commission discussion and possible vote on this item. Um, we will begin with public comment here in Corrett and then move to those um, via the Zoom link. So public comment on this agenda item is now open here in Corrett auditorium.
3: Peter Warfield again, Executive Director, Library Users Association, Library Users 2004
4: at yahoo.com and P.O. Box 170544, San Francisco, California, 94117-0544. I guess I have a minimal chance of being heard. Everybody's looking away and reading stuff and there's only four commissioners. I'm disappointed you don't take role. So we know who's here, as you usually have done in most meetings under parliamentary procedure, do that. Uh, The minutes, once again, are unfortunately either incomprehensible or a very poor reflection of what I certainly have said. In general, I've talked about the dangers of uh, social media, which the library not only is ignoring, but the library appears to be recruiting uh, in much of its literature. It has icons everywhere for the majors, Facebook. Twitter now X, Instagram and so on. And in its at the library uh monthly news news uh, product, it has get social squares twice on the eight pages on different pages encouraging people to get on those uh medias for no particular reason except maybe to get some library information, but you can get a lot of library information or should. In a lot of other ways, in a lot of other places. Why are they doing that? Is this a paid ad? Is this a political ad? What is the reason for this unexplained, repetitive, ongoing recruitment to social media? And for that matter, in general, computerized everything like ebooks, e audiobooks, and so on in general. But the dangers are particularly uh, acute. In my last public comment, I pointed that out again. Uh, I didn't say it was dangerous, as though it could bite you physically. Uh, Dangerous, especially to kids. I, I said not only what the issue was, but who said so. I said that it's as though you're recruiting for this. And I said that it was the Surgeon General who has issued several reports about the dangers of social media, especially to kids. It's not my opinion alone. It's the Surgeon General who has issued official reports at least twice. And those specifically mention social media like Facebook, Twitter, now X, and others. And that's left out from this very abbreviated and unclear comment that makes it sound like I'm making wild accusations of dangers of unspecified sorts. And we now have people even saying that the internet is in in, read the Sunday New York Times of October 15 front page article. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much. Any further public comment here in Corrett Auditorium on agenda item number two? Seeing there's no further public comment, I turn to operations. Operations, if there's anyone um, on the Zoom platform wishing to make a public comment, could you please put them through? Thank
2: you. Madam President, at this time, there are no callers with their hands raised in the queue. I will pause briefly to allow anyone who wishes to do so to raise their hand. Madam President, there are no callers in the queue wishing to raise their hand at this time.
1: Thank you very much, operations. Hearing that there's no further public comment, public comment is now closed on this item. Uh, We now turn to commission discussion and action on the September 2023 meeting minutes. Um, do we have a motion from a
6: commissioner?
1: Um, We have a motion from Commissioner Maul. Do we have a second? A second. Uh, we have a motion from Commissioner Maul and a second from Commissioner Lopez to approve the September 2023 meeting minutes.
0: And I'll take the roll call. Commissioners, please say aye or no when I call your name. President Wolf. Aye. Commissioner Maul. Aye. Commissioner
1: Lopez. Commissioner Bolander. Aye. The motion passes unanimously. Um, We now turn to item number three, which is going to be really fabulous, I'm sure, which is the strategic planning update. And we're looking forward to a very robust presentation and discussion. Um, I want to turn it over to City Librarian Lambert and the library staff for this presentation. Thank you.
7: Thank you, President Wolf, and good evening commissioners, library staff appreciates this opportunity to bring you an update on our strategic planning initiative. You may recall we last presented on this topic at the July meeting as the consultants were wrapping up our community engagement work. The past few weeks, they've been busy in the sense making phase to analyze and distill the cumulative feedback from internal and external stakeholders. I'm pleased to turn it over to Ally Holmes, senior strategist with Gensler, who will be introducing the rest of the team and sharing the resulting themes and potential futures for us to consider. Ally, Can you speak closer
3: to the yes. mic, please? Thank you. Yes. Here. Look. Based here in San Francisco. I have a few people with me. I have Margaret
8: Sullivan of Margaret Sullivan Studios um, working alongside myself to lead the strategy on the project. I also have Susana Razzo, the founder of Contigo Communications, who is really leading all of the community engagement efforts. And then I have Carol Ann Carroll of CCNG, and they are really the expert. She's the expert on the survey portion of this project. So today we're really focused on the external engagement findings, what we learned. We're also going to talk about what's starting to illuminate for our path forward and have a brief discussion about what we've seen today. Okay, project overview. So today we're really focused on those, a high level overview of our external engagement findings. And then that conversation will really be focused on the insights, what surprised you, what you wanna know more about, and then the areas of focus, which ones resonate and which ones really align with the impact you all want to make moving forward. A look ahead in December, we'll be sharing a work in progress version of the um, key components of the strategic plan, including the mission, vision, values, and areas of focus. And just to give you a larger sense of where we are in this work stream, we are two thirds of the way through. We've completed all of the internal staff engagement, the community engagement, and as Michael said, we are really in the period where we're making sense of it all, trying to figure out what the future should be based on our findings. And we will really be iterating in the next couple of weeks and months um, till we get to the point where we're sharing you the draft in December and then a final version in March. Okay, now I'm going to hand it over to Carol to talk a little bit more about the um, components of the external engagement.
9: Thank you, Allie. So, um, previously at another commission meeting, we talked about two of the five pieces of external engagement. So, today we're just going to give you some highlights of the remaining three. Um, Those three components we'll be discussing a little bit more are The 20 focus groups that were covered, uh, these focus groups covered all of San Francisco's districts, as well as making sure we spoke to specific priority groups, including Spanish and Chinese speakers, African Americans, and those with disabilities. And this allowed us to have a dialogue about what the future of the library could and should be. The second component you see up there is a branch user intercept survey, which was conducted earlier this year. Uh, We obtained 2,283 completed surveys from that effort, and that included every library location. And then finally, we also analyzed the city survey uh, questions. The city survey is a survey that's done every two years. And they asked a few questions as they do every round about library use. And what we did was actually analyzed what the non-users said in that. So these are just highlights of the external engagement pieces. So we're gonna start with uh, how the library is used currently. And that's what all of this covers. So the first part is that San Franciscans love their library. And they see it as an essential part of living in San Francisco. They really appreciate access to the materials it provides, as well as engaging programming and space for respite and focus. It's also a place where they feel respected and valued as members of the community. And one core question that came into this project is how accessible the library is. So when it comes to physical access, the answer is that 76% of San Franciscans live within a 15-minute walk of a location. And the 15-minute walk is marked by the gray outline that you see there on the slide. We also looked at whether those with the most urgency or need have access. And this was determined by looking at things like limited English proficiency, limited internet access, as well as distance from job and recreational centers. So on this map, those that live in the darker shaded areas are considered most urgent. And many of these darker areas tend to be neighborhoods with a high level of diversity. When it comes to access, however, it's not just about having a library nearby. A few obstacles can get in the way of library use. Um, when it comes to accessing the services themselves, people also spoke to talking uh, spoke about website and digital services being challenging to navigate or a service or a program at the library not being available in their language. We also heard about the importance of cultural competence, where sometimes it's actually more important that someone understands the culture you're coming from rather than being able to speak your particular primary language perfectly. And as I mentioned, we also learned about people who don't use the library through the analysis of the city survey. Uh, The city survey basis for the data included a short series of questions related to the library use, including a question on why residents don't use the library if they said they didn't. And those non-users fell primarily into three areas. The first group were those who were interested in library services, but kind of concerned about cleanliness, safety, or time issues. This was considered those who could be brought into the area by addressing those challenges. The second group lacked awareness of everything the library offers. It thinks of these as those who think it's only books, and we may be able to bring them into the library by better communicating what the library has to offer. The third group has a sense of what the library provides, but doesn't feel they have a need for those services. And this would be the most challenging group of non-users to convert and would require significantly evolving the role of the library in people's lives. I'm going to pass off now the presentation to Margaret to talk about what residents want from their library in the future.
10: So I get to talk about the future and how the role can evolve um, to serve our community members most impactfully. So the number one thing we heard is that the library should be a place for building and strengthening relationships and community gathering. The toll the pandemic has taken on our meaningful social connections spans all ethnicities, races, ages, and stages of life. The community has confidence that SFPL can help the city heal by bringing folks together in joyful and meaningful ways. And if you look at the community's responses, including 36% are requesting a dedicated cafe space, this reinforces that people want places to gather, to play in the game room, and enjoy shared social learning and cultural experiences. So what might this look like? One it might look like reimagining and renovating spaces to foster gathering and social experiences. Two, it provides opportunities for increased community engagement. And three, it creates opportunities for dedicated programming to create meaningful civic dialogue to foster a healthy democracy. So next, the library should help people connect to and navigate the wide range of resources available within the library itself, but also from city agencies and from the plethora of community-based organizations in San Francisco. So this is something that the library already does today, as you can see from the quote, But there is a strong desire by community members to deepen this capability, as well as think about distributing these resources more broadly system-wide and not just at Maine. So all community members see the library as a welcome center, especially new immigrants, and as a gateway and a connector to possibilities. So with such a vast amount of resources in the city and in the library, Folks need help navigating and connecting to the ones that are meaningful to them. So one more takeaway um, that I think is important, that we think is important to note is that the community does not see that the library needs to be a direct social service provider, yet they know it is essential to partner with community agencies to connect folks to those essential and critical social services. So one thing that I enjoyed in listening to the community engagement was that San Francisco, you all know this, San Francisco is a city of altruists. So even folks who didn't need specific library services want them for their community members, for their neighbors, and for their friends, and they want folks to know how to get access to them. So what this could look like in the future is that the library can be an official referrer um, to customize resources for community members, catalog the vast resources available in the city and work more collectively and intentionally with partners to distrib- distribute those resources effectively and efficiently. I'm gonna pass it to Susanna. Um, thank you.
11: Thank you, Margaret. Something else we heard from folks in our focus groups is um, what a deep appreciation for what the library does. Um, and we heard that because people said, you know, the city's expensive to live in. We all know that. We live here, we feel it every day. Um, and there are a lot of San Franciscans who feel it really acutely. And so they wanted to have access to a lot of the things that other people get to access in San Francisco. They want to have access to art galleries, you know, they want to experience the arts. They want music and film studios, and I, when they say music, what was interesting is some people were actually talking about not, not just, you know, albums, but they were talking about having access to instruments through some sort of a lending library so their kids could test an instrument out, um, Before they decide whether to maybe perhaps make an investment, you know, our uh, music education for um, the family. And we all know going to the movies is really expensive. Um, I was thinking about this, you know, I think a family of three, if you're buying a popcorn, you're probably not getting out of there for less than $50. These days, And so they want a place where they can go watch movies and be again in that social environment that Margaret was talking about. Um, And some people spoke to the possibility of a community kitchen. And we know a lot of the SROs and a lot of apartments don't have full kitchens. I mean, these are some of the things that people spoke to. There was really a range of things, tool lending library, um, you know, access to even Lego sets puzzles, games that p- families can take home and play for a while. And then when the kids get bored, you can return them. All of these things, um, I think, fell fell into this category. And then when we looked a little bit deeper um, into some of those experiences, um, people also, um, yeah, no, you can go to the next slide, please. <laughs> people, Love, San, you know, something about San Francisco, you know, those of us who are from here live here, you know, we love cultural diversity. I mean, we really see it as one of the, the, you know, the things that appeal to us the most that attracts people to San Francisco, and they want to see it magnified. And people talked about not just having their cultures magnified during cultural heritage month, because, you know, it feels a little bit like tokenism to just celebrate folks just one month of the year. They, if they're a part of the community. They want to see themselves reflected in that branch every day, whether it's the art displays, the collections, and in the staff. They also want to see themselves reflected in the staff. They want language access. And even more than that, they want cultural competency reflected in the staff because that's really key to the access issue. They feel like Having people there to provide the service the library offers, who's from their culture, is going to help to to mitigate. I think a lot of the access issues that happen when when um, folks have cultural um, differences as well as language access issues. So they want to they want to um, see all of that um, addressed at the library. And um, moving to the next slide, they also want access to education and skill building workshops. This really came across strongly um, in the request for tech support, which we heard across all focus groups. People wanna have access to tech support in real time. They don't want just a workshop once a week or twice a week where you have to be there in a specific hour slot. Um, People need access to tech. Um, We heard things like um, the free lunch program, their applications online. They have to be able to submit an application online. Um, so people want the, the tech support, whether it's on library devices or if they're walking in even with their own device, you know, and they love the printing. Um, not everybody has access to printers or can't afford to stock the printer ink as frequently as they'd like. So they love the printing. We heard, um, so much, um, appreciation for those services, Um, And we also heard phone charging stations are really important nowadays when a lot of people are accessing this technology on their phones. Um, They need a charging port um, and more and more websites are now requiring a two-step authentication where you have to plug in a code that shows up on your phone. All of these things um, speak to um, the need to really continue to work to um, bridge that digital divide for so many people. and for the disability community, I just wanted to note that the tech, the the access and support for tech, it was also something that was spoken to um, in the disability community for the reasons I just mentioned, and for others as well. And um, the other things they wanted, um, um, the whole family, they want homework support. Um, folks want homework support for their kids, um, especially um, grandparents, uh, immigrants who are going to have additional barriers to supporting their children with their homework. Um, And we, and parenting support as well. We heard a strong um, ask for parenting support as well as workforce development for all ages. Um, We heard this from seniors who are, are having to think about how to, some sort of part-time work or work to supplement their income. And then, of course, they wanted those opportunities for youth. And so really thinking about workforce development at every stage of a person's life. And I'm going to hand it over to Allie. Yes. One thing I just want
8: to add that falls within um, this territory is also literacy support is a key component of this role that is all about skill building and education. Okay, so we just heard a lot of great insights, I will admit at a high level, but a lot of things that the library can do moving forward. So I assume you have a bunch of questions. How do all these learnings get incorporated into the plan? What's the structure we're going to use to really um, communicate what our path forward is? So let's get into that. Wanna break down the anatomy of a strategic plan there are many components, including mission, vision, values, our areas of focus, foundational imperatives, and the insights and context work that supports all of that. Today, we're really focused on the areas of focus and the foundational imperatives. The areas of focus is a role that the community wants SFPL to play in the future, what we promise to provide, where the foundational imperatives are the key actions necessary to realize that area of focus. So let's get into the areas of focus. Margaret's going to talk a little more, please. Thank you.
10: So we are thrilled to share the development of these areas of focus that define the role of the library in the future, in alignment with current strengths, the visioning work, but even more critically informed and strengthened by the community's inputs. When we met last time, we shared potential futures, which allowed us to explore what the future could look like based on what we learned from leadership and staff. Now we present the areas of focus, which build on the potential of futures, but have evolved to incorporate community feedback. The work also incorporates your guidance as commissioners. Evolutions include one, the Living Laboratory has been integrated into the operational future vision the radical equalizer role which had represented resiliency will underpin the work and be a critical component in the mission and vision development areas of focus that when we met the last time about the pinch of, yeah i just i'm i'm relaying what has changed since the last time we met yeah yeah um, and then the third is that San Francisco Public Library's critical outcome goals to foster democracy and civic engagement will be incorporated in the vision and the objectives of each area of focus. So those three are responsive to the last time we met and that you are not seeing those in this development. Yes. Thank you for the question. Um, So these areas of focus will help steer the objectives, goals, and tactics to clarify the role each and every one in the organization plays in delivering even greater impact to the communities being served. So the areas of focus are the five ways the library will serve the community in the future. So the first is resource provider, which is providing free access to resources, materials, and space we often call this the library is library, um, but it reinforces the request of community members to keep doing the core functions that y'all do so well. They they love them, they don't wanna see them go. Um, you all know you're a beloved institution. So the second is cultural amplifier. So building bridges between the cultures by celebrating the expressions and achievements and traditions. That make each one of us distinct. So that pride in the cultural identity and and celebrating the diversity that folks really love about living in San Francisco. So the third is Thoughtful Navigator, guiding folks to the information, programs, and tools they need within the library, the city, and the broader community. So that's that customized um, provider of experiences and resources that'll make everyone's life. more impactful and greater. So the fourth experiential experiential educator is the support of the knowledge acquisition, passion exploration and new skill development through inclusive, immersive and varied educational offerings. This is where your work around literacy will be realized with an intentional focus on early childhood literacy putting a stake in the ground that the library sets up all of our young people and all of our families for successful lifetime achievement. And then finally, Community Catalyzer, fostering on purposeful relationship building and gathering through events, programming, and informal interactions. This is the sense of belonging and connection that strengthens the social fabric and strengthens democracy. So, I have been asked to provide an example of how other libraries might um, have have implemented some of these potential futures um, with similar areas of focus. I do not want to suggest that San Francisco Public Library is like any other library. <laughs> um, but I think you know, I wanted to go back to an example of when a library launched their strategic work initially, and really were also transforming their strategies to be bold, aspirational, and community-centered. So I go back 15 years ago to Richland Library, and they had just released their strategic work, and they wanted to both increase usage of their digital resources, um, because they found out during their strategic planning community engagement work that folks weren't aware of many of their great services. Um, And they also wanted to build the capacity and confidence of staff to really be in the community and hear those feedback loops firsthand. So they got a cross-functional team together um, to learn how to download all of their digital resources, and they just set them free in the community, bars, restaurants, parks. And these folks really learned to communicate with folks. They were shoulder by shoulder on tablets and iPhones, downloading Canopy, LinkedIn Learning. Um, And not only did they learn um, that they were so valuable to these folks in the community when they were meeting them where they were, they also learned that their website was clunky and they needed to rejigger it. But they also, more importantly, built the confidence to hear that constructive criticism from community community members that impacted all of their work and laid the foundation for community feedback loops. Um, So with that, I have many more examples if you want to Q&A, but I'm going to hand it back to Allie. Okay,
8: so to realize these areas of focus that we just shared with you, we need a really strong foundation. In speaking with staff and the community to a certain extent, we identified seven key steps that the library needs to take in order to realize this future that we're starting to envision together. The first is diversity, equity and inclusion. So we really want to center marginalized communities and work towards providing economic and educational opportunities. Next is around organizational culture. We want to involve um, the internal culture to really foster creativity, collaboration and taking risks as well as supporting more professional growth. Third is talent. We wanna grow existing skills and talents within the staff to create a cross-trained, flexible, culturally competent team. Next is safety. We really wanna prioritize the safety of patrons and staff while remaining a welcoming place for all. Number five, awareness and accessibility. Cater offerings and communications uniquely to each community's needs and norms partnerships, really want to align and deepen our relationships with city partners to embed further into communities, amplifying our collective impact. And lastly, space. We want to evolve how we're using all of our great spaces to reflect how patrons want to gather, learn, work, and enjoy arts and culture. Okay, let's go towards our discussion and a look ahead. I'm going to jump past the discussion. We'll return to that and just share. Next time we speak in December, we will share the work in progress, mission, vision, values, and areas of focus, and you'll really
3: start to see the strategic plan start to come together. And we'll return for discussion. Yep. Yes, and then. our discussion, we open all we're open to all questions,
8: but wanted to prompt you with um, and ask for what insights surprised you, which ones you, you would like to know more about, and then which areas of focus really resonate with
3: you. And, and we want to know how they align with the impact you want to make moving forward.
1: Thank you very much for that very robust and much more detailed um, presentation. Really appreciated the the, the leap that's happened since the last presentation, so thank you. Before we open it up to commission um, response and discussion and questions, we're gonna open it up for general public comment. We will begin with general public comment here in Corrett Auditorium, and then we'll move to those participating via the web, via the Zoom platform. Comment is now open here in Correct.
3: Peter Warfield, Executive Director, Library Users Association, Library Users,
4: 2004 at yahoo.com and PO Box 17. 0544 San Francisco, California, 94117-0544. The work that's being done here, I think, is very important and very significant. And it certainly should be something that's uh, taken very seriously, as you seem to be doing. But it also seems to me to require doing a job that includes people much more. If I look at page 14, who you have listened to in this group, pretty much these are all controlled circumstances that you have set the criteria, for example, with the questionnaire. You have decided who is going to be in community focus groups. By what means, we have no idea. How were people recruited? How were people solicited? How did people accept? How were people accepted or rejected? I certainly haven't been recruited or asked to take part. I do recall taking part in a focus group for the um, post-occupancy evaluation of this building. And Regina Menoudry, in fact, invited me, as I recall. And I participated. Some of the things I said were in the report um there's no such thing here you want a public process you talk about democracy where is the open call for people to say what they want in a library not ones that you've selected by means that we don't see the night of ideas as an example that was almost exclusively accessible to people who had easy access to computers who had an email address who could get a ticket Who could come to that building at that time i can tell you much more about the failures of the publicity for that but it led to a very restricted group of people who were even able to know about it and to get in where is the public call where are the public meetings in other branch for example projects you had meetings at every library not so here where are the library users that walk in that don't have access to email or internet or do, but don't get solicited? We have no idea. And where is the, where is books? I see statistics here showing uh, about page 16, a hub for the community, eBooks and audiobooks. Well, there's no mention of print books or of newspapers or magazines. No mention at all. This is totally, Debookification of the library. There are many needs in the city, but the library can't meet all of them. It has to be a library first.
3: Thank you. Uh,
1: thank you very much. Uh, further public comment?
12: Hello, uh, I'm Michael Vincent Donal Mercante from Friends of the San Francisco Public Library. And I'm happy to represent friends here today uh, and show our support for this strategic planning process um, and the labor it takes to get all this information. Processes like this are never easy and take a ton of time um, and often a lot more staff time than you'd think. So we want to say thank you and congratulations. Uh, Thank you for all involved. This information is crucial. Um, It's coming at a perfect time as well. Um, In the past few years, we've had a radical reshaping of how libraries work and libraries are trying to adopt innovative ways to connect with their communities. Uh, We at the SFPL are a tone setting library. We, like I'm sure urban library systems across the country are looking towards us for guidance on how to address a lot of these systemic needs. So we're excited about this plan um, and for more updates to come (laughs) Uh, and how it will be implemented in the next few years. Uh, we're ready to help in any way, and we trust that the SFPL will continue to set a powerful example while also maintaining the high level of service our community relies on, and while having the offering the best library programs in the country. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much, and um, yes, thanks.
1: Thank you very much. Any further public comment here in Corrett Auditorium? Seeing there's no further public comment here, I turn to operations. If there's anybody wishing to make uh, public comment via the Zoom platform, please put them through.
2: Madam President, at this time, there are no callers in the queue wishing to make comment. I will pause briefly to allow them to raise their hands. Madam President, there are no callers who wish to make comment at this time.
1: Thank you very much, operations. Seeing that there's no further public comment via the Zoom platform and here in Correct Auditorium, public comment on this item is now um, closed. And we turn to um, the commission and my fellow commissioners for comments, questions, and responses.
3: Okay. Okay, Commissioner (laughs) Mall. Thank you for... um, expecting me to go first (laughs) no no and hopefully you have way more
13: experience this than i do and you will be the um yes okay so you will what do they call it in baseball when you pick it all up or
3: what's the expression yeah yeah okay so um i have a few questions Number one,
13: um I am surprised that Library Users Association was not included in one of your focus groups. Um, and I imagine that you did put all kinds of notices or um, requests for people to come to your focus groups, both online and In paper on a bulletin board, am I correct? Yes.
7: I I can take that question. Okay. Um, So part of the design of this process and the team assembled here is having a local business enterprise, in this case, Contigo, and and Susanna can elaborate on this. Um, You know, this local business enterprise is embedded in our community. They have a wealth of experience with community engagement. They know who are the representative leaders in the community. So um, focus groups by design at their best are, you know, targeted in nature and um, you, you really identify Different segments of the community and who are the representative leaders for those respective segments of the community. So our focus groups were largely uh, invitation only uh, by design. And uh, as your city librarian, as the department head, I did help curate some of the uh, folks that who were identified to participate in those focus groups. But I'll I'll pause there and and let Susanna elaborate a little bit more.
13: How did did you find the people who are non-users?
11: How'd you find
3: that segment?
11: Well, that that Carol can speak to, those were um, specifically, um, that that was was part of the survey work and the city survey. Um, But as far as focus groups, we did put out, actually we worked with a long list of CBOs that we informed about our process. We sent them flyers anyone could actually contact us with in, who were interested in participating in focus groups um we had flyers at the libraries and we That's even right. went out to libraries directly like i do remember actually recruiting one elderly gentleman who could not use a computer but wanted to register he did have a phone and um You know, I sat there and I registered him. Um, He told me he wasn't tech savvy, that I shouldn't send him the calendar invite, which I offered. We made um, telephone calls to people who signed up just to remind them of when these were happening. And he did show up and participated in our focus group um, for elders at Booker T Community Center. Good. Which brings me to the point that we're partnering with organizations who are serving the diversity that we have reflected here in the city. And actually, our focus group participants reflected the demographics of the city. And so, because we did ask people what their race, ethnicity, um, age, you know, we want we wanted to be able to say that, that we um, spoke to people who reflected San Francisco's diversity because that's actually what we try and do at Contigo Communications is really bring the voice of the community into these projects so that they are directly informing um the future of the services that could potentially be offered through the library and so it was um you know it was open um our chinese focus group was was rec- we had a lot of strong recruitment support from Chinatown CDC Uh, For the Spanish focus group, we, you know, I had staff go out and hang out at the Mission Branch Library and try and do a little bit of recruitment in person so that we had a combination of both. Okay, you could see the flyer. If you're technology, you know, tech savvy, you can, you know, get yourself to us. But we also did some in-person outreach, and we had a long list of CBOs that were sent the flyers for the focus groups. And so, and, and our focus groups were... We had representation from all supervisorial districts. And then, of course, we had some priority populations we wanted to hear from. Like I just mentioned, some of our in-language focus groups, the disability community, elders, parents. We know these are all important um, populations that should have a voice. And so we did allow for some focus discussions with those groups.
13: Thank you. You're welcome. Um, okay. Well, I can check that off my concerns. Um, One of the things when I um, sat in on the staff the day the staff was discussing this is just about everybody, at least the women, I should say, at my table, the staff, said that one of their um, primary concerns about the library, which is through no fault of anyone in this room, was safety. And on your, I'm looking at, on your futures thing or whatever, that was sort of not, that was farther down the list. It was diversity. Yeah, it was number four, which I was sort of surprised to see.
8: I would say right now, the order of the foundational imperatives does not reflect the relative importance. They are all critical things. Safety is very, very important.
13: Well, I'm just thinking in this city at this time. Yeah. Um, I hope that you do put these in order based on your findings. And I would hope that safety would be right up there because, okay. Um, The other thing is, I had a question. Um, Are there right now plug-in opportunities for people to juice up their devices?
7: Not as many as there should be. Uh, as you know, the Branch Library Improvement Program renovated 16 branches, built new, eight new libraries from 05 to 2014, but it was a different time and right. different sensibility. Right. And so space has now been identified as one of our foundational imperatives. So um, coming out of the strategic planning process, we're going to go right into facilities master planning and start thinking about what kinds of capital investments we need to do to make our libraries more responsive to what the needs of the community are. That's great, but this is not part of this This plan right now? Um, well, I mean, to the extent we can make some quick modifications and enhancements, maybe procure some equipment. Uh, you know, that will be part of the implementation of the strategic plan. But we know there's macro issues with our facilities that are going to have to be addressed in a a much bigger way. Just incidentally,
13: um, I was dropped off early tonight and I walked into the library, had an hour. And I had a tough time finding a comfortable place to sit. I thought, this is a library, you know, Mm -hmm. and this beautiful atrium with no place to sit, just saying as an aside. Um, But in my extra hour, I was very happy to see uh, an attendant in the ladies' room, which I had not seen before. Okay, getting back to this. um, It seems to me that. One of the things that people said they wanted was programs and cultural opportunities, and I, I mean, I, I just don't know what people want. I think that's the best thing that SFPL does. I, I really, I don't understand that where that comes from.
7: Well, I, I believe it's feedback that is affirming and validating of some of the work that we're doing, but. Um, there's always room for improvement. And as we saw with the city survey data, uh, there's a lot of people that just aren't aware of the depth and breadth of the the programming. And I'll I'll yield to the consultants if they want to elaborate more on that.
8: Um, Yes, I would say that really communicated an awareness issue. um, Reinforces what is already being done. And it really highlights that we need to be more targeted and who is getting what messages so that the right people are getting exposure to the programs that are targeted to them, whether that be reflecting their own culture or helping them understand the cultures of others. Or getting a job. Or Or getting a job. All
13: the things that
8: we offer. Yeah. So it's maybe the trees falling in the forest and there's no one there to hear it. A little bit. Yeah. It's definitely about getting the right messages to the right people. Okay, I'm done for the moment. Jory, you're the the,
13: the
1: op op committee in the <laughs> yes. moment. Um, so anyway, um Commissioner Lopez, Commissioner Bolander. Commissioner Lopez. I think I'm gonna be.
14: Um first of all, thank you. This has been um, a very uh, a revelation in, in many ways. I think that um to your questions, some things are of a surprise and some others we're not um one of the things that you mentioned which it's it, you know it's it's one of the questions that i have it's just you know uh there's an array of wants and needs and and some of them you know um is it the library's responsibility to provide probably yes probably not and and that's something that we can assess um Because one of the comments you made was that people want social services, but the library not to become a social services agency, which kind of contradicts. But I see the need and and, and that's an issue in the city of San Francisco because resources are available. One, people don't know about them or two, um, it's hard to get to them. So it. It was something really that stood out mm-hmm. out of the presentation. I really appreciate the the effort to really try to reach out us to many people as possible, especially the special interests and the language. Um, oftentimes, those communities get left out, and and then it doesn't have the same powerful uh, result as. Your uh, report. Um, I I do have a lot of questions, but I think I will ask them later because um, I think it's just trying to get all the info sucked in. Um, but in terms of um, communicating. And comparing your, you know, like the city, the non-users versus the users. Um, I think that also that has to do with uh, economics, social economic status. There are people that have access to go to the symphony, have tickets to go to the opera, can do all of that. And so getting services from the library might not be a priority because they have the means to to get access to those. But I do see, um, how, you know, the, the, the need for us, which we already do with the museums and, and all this other thing. So I think it goes back to, um, what, how can we improve our dissemination of information Mm -hmm. and how do we as, as a library, um, Make sure that you know, citywide, we, we're tigering not just the community based organizations, but the schools, the churches, that every aspect, every single aspect. And of course, uh, let's be realistic you know, you, you can only do so much, um, because. The services are there. If people don't feel like they need them, they're not going to use them until they do. So I really appreciate your, you know, your report. Um I will be probably reaching out to some of you in terms of questions, but um, I feel that from the first time that you presented to where we are now, there's more shape. There's more form. and now it's it's becoming more of, what actions do we need to start working and taking and whose responsibility is it? So thank you so much. Thank
1: you. Thank you so much, Commissioner Lopez. Commissioner Bolander. No, I'm gonna let you go first.
15: Okay, okay. okay President Wolf. Um, thank you so much for the presentation and the thoughtfulness of the analysis and how you have collected bunch of great information there's no doubt that the your process and our process tries to include as many people as humanly possible so i never debate or even question the our ability to figure out those folks that are not or marginalized or whatever we there's one thing that we really are conscious of is that so um definitely have enough data to make decisions uh for sure um clearly it seems that there is more of a messaging and marketing type of challenge, especially for those that don't know what we do. So an awareness issue, which pretty much for every every organization is a problem. I mean, I'm just impressed we actually have marketing and PR people. Most folks don't have that. So I think that would probably mean we'd probably need more of those types of people. And mm-hmm. hint, hint, wink, wink. Um, so couple questions um how does this differ from other library systems i mean i look through all this it's I, I mean i'm is it just me or is it kind of sort of obvious
0: mm-hmm.
15: but i i i'm not saying this to be snarky yes thank you <laughs> she, she's my coach on this for sure how do, how do i say this how would how would how would you know anyway um so n- n- not to say it's not important I'm i'm, I'm not trying to say that but how does this compare to other organizations? Is this consistent? Like what's like, Oh my gosh, this is different here than somewhere else. Cause this is all validation of, I think what I would consider if a bunch of smart people got in a room and said, yeah, that's, yeah, that's probably right. It's probably the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Do you, can you have any comment on that?
8: I would say it's definitely validation. Okay. Um, but at, and at the highest level, it's very similar. I'll ask Margaret to elaborate a little. But when you get into all the details of everything we learn, that's what matters. Like understanding the specific needs of communities, what they are not getting, where there might be some access gaps. I think those are where there are those nuances that are critical when we're building out this plan. Do you want to speak more about
9: yeah, I. Mean,
10: uh- I think your question is exactly the right one. We always say in the library world, um, we're all unicorns, but we're all exactly the same, too.
3: (laughs) So we're always trying to
10: figure out that. I think the question that we're asking ourselves in the industry is what does it mean in the 21st century to be centered on those core values that came out of the Carnegie work, which is we are a social connector, we are a learning environment, um, and we are a place for cultural activities so that we can foster. folks access to the resources that are going to let them flourish, not just individually, but also flourish as a democracy. Um, so the methodology that we employ is what does that mean for each unique community? Um, and I, you know, I, I come into this work, having worked for, you know, at least 40 libraries over the past 10 years mm-hmm. and even more than that in my, in my young 25 year <laughs> history. And, you know, i You come in with biases because you think communities are are a certain way, but you come in with a real openness and acceptance of we've got to do this learning. And we also want to come in for all of us to do the learnings about our own communities where we might also have those biases. And I think one, there are two things that have been very striking to me and, and inspiring about y'all's organization. I think something that the um, representative from the friends said, and y'all said this too, that you all recognize that you're a national leader, and that you all will embrace these um, urban challenges, um, of systemic um, challenges that are exper- that you're experiencing. But you need to do it in the right way, and in the right way that's correct for San Francisco. So some communities have embraced being a, you know, robust social services center. But what what has been really inspiring about the work with you all is that you all know that you are in the business of human development. And I think what has been really inspiring about that is just how across the board, both the community members and the staff really love what the what the reason is that I say this um to, to Michael, the reason we got into this work is because we believed education was a vehicle to really pull folks out of poverty. And that is, you know, that's something that I think the the San Francisco community really values and believes that the library is for. And I think staff also takes pride in that. So that sweet spot is. Is something that I've enjoyed um, seeing come out of this. I think the cultural identities, the reason, the reasons why we live in San Francisco—that's always a fun. Um, place to also go, the magical, the imaginative, the collective imagination, um, the compassionate, the caring city. Um, so these are all the characteristics that make San Francisco unique and make San Francisco Public Library unique. So those are those are where we're really honing in on um, what's you know how are we a unicorn, but how are we also the same and can, yeah. can really develop yeah. the strength of best practices in other places, but make it truly
15: your own. What, what was the most shocking thing that you saw? That, that you just said, I just cannot believe. Great question. This.
10: Gosh, what am I going to say?
15: <laughs> Sorry to put you on the spot. Can I sit on that or something? What is yeah, it no, <laughs> absolutely. And I mean, I bring I bring this up because it seems directionally. So if I was just to think, okay, like the rest of the world are our, our competitors in like New York City, public library, those guys, whatever, um, you know, Seattle, whatever, like the big urban centers that have what we have, right? Directionally, we're all going in the right kind of the right area. I mean, and, and there's nuance again. I'm just saying this from a thought experiment point of view because what I'm trying to figure out is what are the key takeaways and, and actionable insights that are going to get us to the promised land. Because I always like to say, okay, look, in 50 years, if X went away forever for good, now what? Because then that's the thought experiment how to walk your way back, like as an example. If there was no more inequality ever, now what, right? like, and, and that to me is strategy, right? Again, I have a different view of it, but I'm just trying to think directionally, it seems like we're in the right spot. These surveys and the analysis validates that overall, the promised land's going this way. We want to be all these things. That's great. The rest of the kind of country in the world sort of figures out, okay, we're sort of there too, especially in the urban setting. There's nuance because we're San Francisco and we're unique and special and we're unicorns, of course. <laughs> and then we have to make the nuance and the slice of whatever culture, cultural lens we're in. So it seems like this is just more stronger validation of we asked people what they wanted, they told us, it aligns with general best practices in the world. And if we're gonna continue to be the leader in, in and what, what do we call it? The preeminent urban library? Premier, awesome, best in the world, urban library. Then we shall go this way. Is that directionally my okay? Cool. And then the other thing that's interesting is that a lot of the stuff in here, I think, requires a different talent mix. And I know we need to talk with, you know, unions and everything like that. But doesn't seem like a lot of library talent per se, although this actually, or an expansion of what librarian quote, I put air quotes for those of you who can't see me, the definition of who we're going to help in this journey, which is a huge implication because we've got very defined things that people do here with very defined rules and very, you know, everything's like defined. It's almost amazing how defined it is. this. It's amazing. We can anyway. So, um, how is that going to impact us cuz that to me seems like the biggest challenge in this whole thing
10: well I, I think that's that's probably what your leadership um eats drinks and sleeps stays up at night and <laughs> stuff in the morning about i hope but, they don't <laughs> stay
15: up at night about that have fun but, you know, okay, the world's not that to, i'm,
10: I'm going to keep um being challenged by your question about what shocked me
15: yeah
10: um what has delighted me and okay. um you know I, I don't live in san francisco but i have tried to be here as often as i can and it's you know getting to know each and every single one of your staff members
16: yeah.
10: um and they are full of talent mm-hmm. that is untapped you mm-hmm. have movie makers you mm-hmm. have poets yep. you have mm-hmm. writers yep. Yep. um you have storytellers you have major researchers that yep. are not in roles where they can
3: yeah.
10: um you know exercise those talents so just at a at a talent pool, um, there's just so many resources. But what you know what most libraries have been doing um, as they've reoriented is really developed the the cross-functional teams. Mm-hmm. The areas of focus approach um, has enabled directors and leaders to give clear directives of, as a result of this definition, as a result of these outcome goals, Mm -hmm. we, we send you off to have fun and play with each other and do your research, get your community feedback and come back to us with some um, prototype projects that can help you test um, the opportunities that this strategic framework has enabled, because it really enables folks to have the the guardrails or the guideposts, but also within that, they can live within um, those directives um, to unleash their own talents, to use each other's resources to to develop new ideas um, and work in a different way, um, but still using the the resources and talents that exist in the organization as they build more capacities.
15: Okay. Um, well I mean, yeah, that is the ideal case, right? And in, in our case, there are certain rules and regulations that that there's just certain roles and things that people do and can't do. So I'm just curious if other library systems that are that have—I'm assuming all library systems have unions, not all of them. Okay, the ones that have unions in your experience—I <laughs> feel like a lawyer. Gosh. Um, and then, too. by the way, well, no, no, no. Um, I'm a consultant too. This is what I do for a living, and I really appreciate the pretty slides and all the thoughtful. Believe me, just. We'll talk later about that. But um, yeah, I do this for a living too. So, um, but have you had experience when there's been unions involved with this realignment? Because it seems to me, given my limited knowledge of this, so don't go throw darts at me, that the challenge will be alignment of these new roles and responsibilities and how, you know, compensation and all the things that you list that, uh, you know, it's important that we get right and the vision this new vision right has to there has to be internal alignment without internal alignment none of this stuff works i mean you know this right it's like it's like oh this great strategy but no one cares no one no one wants to get behind it it just dies on the vine right so the tactics of course the tactical implementation has to be there so i'm just if, in your experience if you have any if you don't that's fine we'll have to figure this out that's what i want to learn more about how do you align labor our talent pool, our management, the community's desires, needs that, that have been validated. I mean, you know, we spent what we're going to spend upwards of a million dollars or more on this whole process. The mandate to make this happen is going to require more than just, here's the report. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I just want to know if, if there's any, been any experience on that, because that seems to me the most critical piece.
7: Well, you can first speak to your experience with other urban libraries that may be unionized or not unionized environments, but I I definitely want to come back to this question.
10: Yeah. um, You know, as a consultant, we get to do the fun stuff,
15: right? That's one of the reasons I'm like, don't feel like I'm being, you know, throwing darts at you. I know this is fun. This is why I do it for a living.
10: But I will say um, doing that fun stuff on the front end is developing that vision, doing it collectively and collaboratively. Um, And we have worked with some major urban libraries that have, Mm -hmm. um, you know, strong and weak unions um, and and the union characteristics. So New York public, Las Vegas, Prince George's County in Maryland. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think the, the strategy is, The work that y'all are doing now is that investment in, you know, the big why, um, the big consensus, the clear understanding collectively of, of why we're doing the work that we do and how it will impact the community for greater good. So our responsibility as consultants is to really help create that aspirational vision with the clear evidence to support it so that the tools and resources are there. For all of us to change and grow, and for folks that are doing those negotiations and realignments, have the tools um, to really build that that
15: future foundation. Did, did did we talk to labor? We talked to the unions. Have they been involved in this process? Well,
7: our entire workforce has been part oh, of this process, right, okay. and okay. you know we've been intentional in how we design this. Mm-hmm. We have engaged every segment of our workforce, very specific targeted employee engagement sessions. And then we've had other sessions that were open to all staff. Uh, In addition, we have a group of staff ambassadors. There's uh, 32 staff who have been um, engaged on a deeper level, uh, multi-session engagements, and we're we're continuing to engage with that audience. you know, the vast majority of that group of staff ambassadors come from our largest bargaining unit, which is SEIU 1021. Mm -hmm. Um, But I want to come back to the first question you asked. What sets us apart? What What is different about San Francisco Public Library, our process, this moment, while all urban libraries across the country are grappling with the same questions about the future, uh, what sets us apart is the level of support that we enjoy from the city and County of San Francisco. We are an outlier Mm -hmm. in the level of support that we enjoy from our residents and that 25 year renewal of the library preservation fund. So with that comes great responsibility and the opportunity to have a greater impact at a time when our city needs us the most. Agreed. But now I'll come back to your point about uh, employee engagement and organizational development. We are in what I would say is the perfect moment for this process because our relationship and our partnership with SEIU 1021 has never been better. We have a very strong collaborative relationship. We The management team, we meet with them mm-hmm. once a month. Uh, you know, for two hours. No other department in city government has the department head and their executive leadership team investing in that relationship smart. the it's way totally that smart. we do. Yeah. And so those conversations, those updates about the strategic plan are ongoing. Great. I just met with them last week, invited them to attend. I see one of their officers in the audience. Hi, Ruben. Um, I'm sure there's more on virtually, but um, really the aspiration here is to co-create, to engage our workforce, to unlock the underutilized talent Mm -hmm. that we have in our workforce as the industry evolves from a transactional model of service to a more experiential outcome-based service model.
15: Yeah. No, I mean, that's the rest of the world moves that way too. So, okay. That's good. That's good. The the, the biggest barrier is going to be internal alignment to this plan. It's just hands down, I've seen this so many times. So, I mean, you guys know this, right? It's my, the bane of my existence is trying to get people to actually understand the strategy and align them to it. So I'm glad that we are working hand in hand with our partnership, partners in the union and the staff and the rest of of the world. And again, I appreciate the thoughtfulness, the thoroughness—I think you—you did everything you could. I mean, with infinite money, you can do infinitely more, but we don't have infinite money, so we do what we can. So, thank you so much, and I apologize if it was a little more adversarial, but I respect—I respect, I respect the—I respect the effort. Thank you.
1: Um, thank you very much, Commissioner Bolander. Um, um, so, I'm going to take a different turn. I'm not as enthusiastic about where we are right now. I'm a little disappointed actually. Um, What San Francisco Public Library is known for over its history is being bold, being aspirational, forward thinking, being a leader in the community and a leader nationally. And I'm not seeing that in the documents. I have to say the areas of focus, it took me like five times reading it to actually understand what you're trying to say. You have all talked about the importance of literacy. The word literacy appears once in your document, doesn't appear anywhere here. So I just want to step back a bit and think about everything you've learned, the validations. How do we raise the bar here? Um, I was thinking about my own professional work, which is mostly in the arts. And if I were to interview all the people I select art for and ask them what they wanted,
7: Mm-hmm.
1: It would be a really well. There was actually an artist who did that surveyed people. If you what's your favorite work and what do you want? Well, it's a green field with cows <laughs> in it and a waterfall Pink and, um, and you know, it's like that's what people want. So sometimes you have to give people what they want, but you also have to help them see a whole new world in front of them, challenge their perceptions. And I'm not seeing this here. And I have two really important things that I feel are so important right now for the city of San Francisco. One is we're so committed through this library, through under Michael's leadership, to diversity, equity, and inclusion. And to me, the, the one way in which we'll solve, help solve that problem in our city is early literacy. And I don't see this anywhere in here. And if we do not invest in early literacy, then we're not doing our citizens any good and we're not investing in their future because every study and research project proves that. And I don't see that as like, we've got to get on the bandwagon and really make that happen. Um, The second thing is I think in our society right now, I think democracy is at stake. And I think libraries are the source of democracy and the future of democracy in our country. And if we don't take a stake in that, I think we're missing the boat. Um, So those are two of my kind of areas that I think are not present here. Um, I do think that this could apply to a lot of different libraries, but how do we really become leaders? So yes, I love the idea that we could become this center for all these social agencies in our community. Um, And instead of like filling the gap, stake our claim and be the leader in it, be the best agency in this incredible city to be the place of resource and um, opportunity and claim it and own it. We do it already, but maybe we need to we need to tell more people about it. So I really want to be more aspirational, bold, risk taking. We have money. We have responsibility, of course. But we have the opportunity to take um, a lead, and we're not doing it through these documents. So I really want to challenge you to go further and lead us. Let this document, and then, then we'll deal with all the issues of <laughs> alignment and everything else. But I just feel like ho-hum. I don't even know what this stuff means, to be quite honest. I just, it's really Kind of Agreed. language. Mm-hmm. It's just language on a piece of paper and it can be interpreted any way we want and it just isn't good enough. i We deserve, this our citizens deserve the best. They voted to make sure we had the resources to be the best and how can we do that? So that's my two cents. And um,
13: did you want to add something? Well, I just... But you said that beautifully and you took us up a notch, several notches Um, and it's inspiring to think that way. And I think um, certainly you'd have the buy-in from this group. I'm sure our absent commissioners would agree that we can
1: be bold and we should be, yeah. So I just want to, I know we need to move on, but I want to thank, I really want to thank you, Allie and Margaret, um, Susanna and Carol, um, just for the incredible work. I love that you've engaged the community. I think it's so important. I love hearing what they had to say. Um, Of course, it drives me crazy that not everybody knows who we are, and I just want everyone to know. Um, I also really want to call Randall and um, his leadership on the staff and everybody on the staff, the ambassadors, the division leaders, everybody who has really invested time and effort into this, because it is only as good as we put time into it. But I just really want you to remember, we need to be aspirational. We need to have a bold vision. We need to take risks. We need to make a difference. So thank you to everybody. And we look forward to welcoming you back in December. So thank you. Do we have time to
8: address some of your comments or do we need to move on?
1: I think we can move on. Okay. I think you okay. heard me. I think. Great. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Okay. We're now going to move on to um, item number four, which is the 2023 Summer Stride Overview. I think this is going to be a really feel-good moment because it's like everyone's favorite. <laughs> Um, so, um, uh, I'm going to turn this back over to city librarian, Michael Lambert.
7: Thank you, president Wolf. Like clockwork every fall, we come to you with our culminating report about our summer stride summer learning program. And this year is no different this evening. We have Alejandro Gallegos, our community engagement manager from the community programs and partnerships division here to
17: Provide this culminating report. Thank you. And um, I'm off script now. I just want to thank you for the discussion on the previous item and all the questions and that prompted discussion back here. And I'm trying not to distract people while I'm asking people questions about what you all were just talking about. Thank you. Okay, back on script. Um, It's great to see you all. I'm Alejandro Gallegos, as Michael said, uh, with the library's community programs and partnership division. Happy to be invited here to report on this past summer's. Summer Stride program. As you know, Summer Summer Stride is our biggest system-wide program, and we can't do it without the full engagement and enthusiasm of our staff. On opening weekend, we asked every location to take photos of their team. And I hope in these pictures, uh, you can see the pride our staff has in this three-month program. A fun part for me again off script is like all the photos and all the capturing of these moments throughout the summer. So these are some of the brief numbers that I wanted to share. Almost 24,000 people signed up for Summer Strike this past summer. A little over 16,000 finished. Over 28 million uh, minutes spent reading and learning this summer by participants. Um, And to clarify, finishing means that someone has read at least 20 hours and the 20 hours can also include other types of learning, participating in library programs, STEM challenges, et cetera. If they're reading or they're learning, we want it to count for summer stripe. And here that we would offer those numbers with a little bit more context Our total participants, which is the tallest bars, are climbing again. And I wanna point out that this year, we exceeded the number of finishers of each of the previous five years. That's the yellow bar. Our staff have worked hard to figure out how to best engage patrons during the summer, not just to sign them up, but how we can get them to come back to finish this program. For example, uh, our bookmobiles traditionally have had a more difficult time getting signups and finishers. This year, beginning in February, they began to creatively think about how to best serve their patrons during the summer. This entailed working with partners, especially Rec and Park, to find camps, programs, um, parks, and changing their entire schedule to prioritize those stops and visit them, visit them weekly. Instead of monthly, during June, July, and August, working let's see, working with camp counselors, teachers, and leaders. I'm super like, I oversee mobile outreach services. I'm very proud of of what they've done. Uh, our bookmobiles had 880 finishers this year. That was the fifth most of any of our locations. So applause to them. But that's just one example that pops out. This was echoed throughout the library system with staff working out how they could. Uh, best reach
3: our communities.
17: Go ahead. Now, now onto some photos about the around the library system, and I'll try to point out some of the themes that we've emphasized this summer. So here's the Marina Branch, and you'll notice examples of two of our recurring themes: number one, being outdoors, and number two stem and I think it's here yeah get a look of that um bearded dragon you'll see him or her again soon so not only is this a photo of the outdoors this is also off-site not at the library our libraries have shown we can be flexible we can meet people where they are and this here is at the noe valley town square. Our patrons have told us they appreciate outdoor experiences, particularly during the summer. And I want to point out the photo with um, with a youth volunteer. Our branches were able to train and guide over 300 youth summer volunteers, teens who gave up their time, excuse me,
3: Deans who gave up
17: their time um, to help at their local library, signing up Summer Strike participants, giving out information and demonstrating our STEM programming among other things. Oh, I also want to highlight our Yale program, which stands for Youth Engaged in Library Leadership. In partnership with SF YouthWorks, Yale interns are incoming 11th graders, 12th graders, or recently graduated. They work a regular schedule, learn about library work, meet with each other, and plan programs together. We had 18 Yale youth last year, and this year we had 42 who worked almost 6,000 hours. These are wonderful opportunities for youth to help us to help us to learn about what we do and to get paid. Iliana Pulu guides and coordinates this endeavor along with participating librarians who make it happen. You'll see here another outdoor program, and I want to highlight our STEM programming. Building on past experience, we offered STEM Challenge as part of Summer Stride, a series packaged for the budding scientist and engineer to practice the scientific method using common household items. We offered several activities, including weather station, balloon racers, drops on a penny, building structures, and making hot
3: air balloons.
17: Staff offered these activities via programming, take and make kits, community outreach, and with group visits to the library. I think this picture is just more STEM and an excuse to show you um, that dragon and a snake. Let's not forget that summer stride and summer learning is for everyone. Here are some examples of of adult maker and arts and crafts programs. We also had many, many author and food programs geared for adults. I love this. We've also cultivated partnerships with various organizations. The example I have have here is the Museum of Craft and Design, who did a series of programs at some of our libraries. Another partner that comes to mind is the San Francisco Botanical Garden, who led walking tours to and of the SF Botanical Garden from um, the Sunset and Park branches. As an aside, those went well enough that we're working with them again this fall. Also, some of you might've been to um, our event at out at the New Farm over near Herons Head in the Bayview. It's a partnership that started last year and was continued in a bigger, in a bigger way with music, activities and um, a theme, farm animals, (laughs) farm animals running around.
3: Another partner is Chronicle Books. And here we have Chronicle author, illustrator, K-5, K-5 Steele.
17: she was selected to create the artwork for Summer Stride. You'll see her here with author Mac Barnett doing a program at the Ortega Branch Library. And they're, oh, they're all holding our beautiful Summer Stride
3: prize tote.
17: Here's some original artwork by K-5 produced in one of her workshops. And over there on the right, I wanna highlight another partner, our National Park Service, along with the Parks Conservancy. And here's a photo right here. That is
3: a trip from Visitation Valley all the way to Muir Woods. Every year we do
17: a survey of summer strike participants. One consistent thing we hear is we love our national parks. We're so thrilled to partner with our national parks to take our residents to these parks, provide transportation and have a ranger give a guided tour. We had 10 trips this year, originating from Ingleside, Bayview, Maine, Western Edition, Mission, Vis Valley, Sunset, Chinatown, Bernal Heights, and Ortega. And we visited Alcatraz, the Presidio, Nike Missile Site, Rodeo Beach, Muir Woods, Point Bonita Lighthouse, and Fort Point. We're proud that these field trips offer new experiences and go a little ways in bridging and bringing the parks
3: closer to our users.
17: And here's a trip to Alcatraz, which included an art workshop with KFI and a tour of parts of the island that aren't usually open to the public. This is the type of special experience that we're so proud to offer and that exemplifies what we strive to do offer shared, joyful, experiences that bring people together, connect these experiences with the library, enhance learning with literacy and STEM programming, and be creative in outreach and engagement opportunities. And in closing, our summer campaign was very colorful. (laughs) I hope you all were able to see some of the artwork out and about on our buildings, on transit shelters, on buses, on posters and bookmarks, these are really fun, and I hope they show the joy that we want to bring our residents during the summer.
3: And a thank you to our partners, some of whom aren't
17: listed here, and our summer learning committee, Michelle Jeffers, Hilary Ake, Winnie Jung, Christy Estrovitz, Genevieve Feldman, Pauline Harris, Betty Ho, Jim Jesky, Alberto Luna, Anissa Malady, Francis Matthew, Claire Wynn, Kate Patterson, Ileana Pulu, Shauna Sherman, Lisa Weddell, Jamie Wong, Jennifer Wu, and mistakenly not listed, Yves Benya. This committee meets every week, year round, to make this program a success. And thank you all up here. We on the committee fear, we don't fear you. We feel your full support some of us fear you we do feel your full support of this program thank you
7: thanks alejandro a little Freudian slip in there i guess Uh, i do want to acknowledge the friends and foundation of the san francisco public library you know without their support this signature program of the library would not be possible and you know, so many other partners like the OMI Cultural Participation Project. I see their director here, Maurice Rivers. Uh, You know, we we really appreciate all the community support for this program. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you, Alejandro. Um, Before we have um, comments and questions from the commission, we will open this up for public discussion um, and public comment. Public comment will begin here in Corrett and then move to the Zoom platform. Public comment is now open here in Corrett Auditorium.
3: Peter Warfield, Executive Director,
4: Library Users Association, Library Users, 2004 at yahoo.com and P.O. Box 170544, San Francisco, California, 94117-0544. What a breath of fresh air. What a pleasure to listen to a program that seems to be very successful and actually has something to do with what a library's primary function is, which is... Uh, to inform, educate, entertain, and so on, uh, with something having to do with books. Um, I noticed that some of the things that the uh, reasons for why, li- in your previous presentation, we saw what the group discovered were reasons patron love the library today. And I didn't see anything about books, and I didn't see anything except for the ebooks and audio books, which I didn't see in the photographs, uh, and in particular reading. Uh, maybe story time counts, but this is folks actually doing the wonderful thing which they can do at the library, which is use the facilities the library has, in particular the wealth of books that the library still has. Um, I noticed that I didn't see a call for what the strategic planners said people were asking for things that they wanted. The top things, top desired library amenities were a cafe at the library, a game room, and more event spaces. Well, I don't know if that ever came up in this report. It doesn't seem that there was a big demand or a lack of any of those things in what we saw here. I think that the library does have still before it gets rid of all of its books or all of its physical books i think the library still has a wealth of wonderful materials of all kinds including print books including for those who want them ebooks except that nobody who doesn't have access to the necessary stuff can get those folks who don't have that access are are kept out and so free and equal access is not exactly happening when that is the case. But in this case, it looks like everybody had access. I'm not sure how. It looked like there were books available, and people had them, and people were reading them and enjoying them and connecting them with activities. Uh, I certainly think the library could do a great deal more to encourage its own its use of its own quite substantial facilities that have to do with its core functions, the books that are available, the information that's available, newspapers, magazines, and so on and thanks very much for the report and for the existence of those things still at the library.
1: Thank you very much. Any further comment here in Corrett Auditorium? Seeing there's no further comment here, I'm going to turn it over to Operations. Operations, if there's any um, person participating via the Zoom platform, please put them through for public comment. Thank you.
2: Madam President, at this time, there are no Commenters in the queue, I will pause briefly to allow anyone who wishes to do so to raise their hand. Madam President, there are no callers in the queue at this time.
1: Thank you very much, operations. Seeing that there's no further public comment, um, public comment is now closed on this item and we will open it up to commission discussion and questions. Well, Alejandro, I think you did a great job. I think we just love this program. So, I don't think there's a lot to comment on or question. It was a great presentation. The team that you mentioned at the end is really phenomenal. It's impressive that they meet every week. I just want to say congratulations and I just love that the um the people who completed the project has, you know, has been going up steadily and it's at the five-time five-year high. So just congratulations and please share our gratitude and incredible um, kind of awe inspired way in which the team at the library comes together every summer to do better and better. It's really impressive. And so we
17: just wanna thank you. And I was remiss also in acknowledging, um, I did say Christy on that list. She also co-chaired this, Christy Estrovitz, this whole last number of years and has been instrumental like in this climb, along with Michelle and also you all here. We really do take what you said in the discussion earlier and apply it to this program. Try to be creative and just figure out a lot of what, you know, our consultants are saying, how can we do better? Great. How Can we creatively reach our community? I'm rambling. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much. And I also just want to also thank the friends of the library for their um, unwavering support for this project. OK, on, really quick.
14: Um, I just want to say that what the beauty of this program, which it's definitely shown, is that it's generational and um, families. You know, like I see them throughout the city with their toe bags, and they're aware. And marketing for this project has been outstanding. There were signs everywhere I went. So thank you, thank you to the committee, and
1: uh, keep up the good work. Already excited about next year. I know you need a break. Okay, thank you. <laughs> our
17: first meeting was today about yeah. 2020.
1: <laughs> Take a break, enjoy before like getting going for next summer, but thank you again. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so now we move to another feel good presentation. Um, item number five, which is discussion on the city library uh, presentation on the city librarians report. So I turn it over to our fabulous city librarian, Michael Lambert.
7: Thank you, President Wolf. We have a number of presenters this evening. And up first, we have our Chief of Branches, Rebecca Alcala Veraflor, with an exciting report on an expansion of hours of operation in our neighborhood branches.
3: Hi, everyone. Good to see you. I just wanna get myself settled,
18: get my glasses on so I can
2: read.
6: As Michael said, my name is Rebecca Alcalavera-Flor, Chief of Branches of the San Francisco Public Library, fearless leader of our 27 neighborhood branch libraries. I'm here today to talk to you about our branch service hours. So in 2020, something happened. We all closed. Um, you may or may not remember this. And so... There was a lot that happened during that closure. As we all know, we had many people retire. We had many people resign. We had a hiring freeze. You heard all about the hiring freeze and the coming back to hiring last uh, month. So I'm here to provide you with an update on what that recruitment piece has done to make us get back to where we were before. So, I'm going to go over some of our library milestones as we came back from this, just as a reminder. We started with SFPL to go, beginning front side service at uh, front door service at the Excelsior and the main library in August of 2020. SFPL Browse and Bounce Express in person services begins in May of 2021 at the main Chinatown and Mission Bay branch libraries. Seven-day service begins at the main library in September of 2021 and in October of 2021 at the Bernal Heights, Eureka Valley, Merced, and Ocean View branches. We took a phased approach in reopening these branches because of our recruitment efforts and the hiring freeze. You know, we can't open doors if we don't have staff to assist um, our public. So we had to Be very strategic in how we reopened our branches. Um, The last branch that opened to seven-day service was the Noe Valley branch on 10-1 October 1st, 2022. I actually came and presented at that point. They had their open house that day as well. It was very exciting for all of us. All right. Slide here. So, just to break it down a little bit for you, where we've been over the years with our public service hours back in FY 2013, we were open system wide, 1300 hours, a little over that. So, that was in the days when we didn't have branches, all branches open seven days. Some branches were open five days, some branches were open six days, some branches were open seven days. We fast forward. To FY seventeen eighteen, you see that nice little jump. We incrementally started opening. But when we hit one thousand four hundred and sixty two hours back in FY seventeen eighteen, that, if you remember, was Mayor Ed Lee said, more monies for the libraries. And we opened seven days across the board, all of our branches. We increased our capacity, we increased our service hours. And uh in California, of all of the major metro areas, including, this is why we're the best, San Jose Public, San Diego Public, Los Angeles, and Sacramento. We are the only ones that provide seven-day service. So this is amazing. Then you see that huge drop where we closed and you can see the graph of our incremental return to service. So just kind of a visual of where we've been. We had to get back to that. We were at the point, we had done our hiring It wasn't gonna be easy. We needed staff involvement. So we did this staff engagement. So branch managers were a part of this conversation that were impacted. What are we doing? What are our next steps? How are we doing this? Who's involved? What do we need to think about? um, Having meetings with those groups and deciding on these go live dates as we call them of when we would finally turn back, return to those hours. So, you know, there's a list too, under the approved hours, we had to engage with a number of internal uh, departments to help us with this. It's, can't do it alone. We need a lot of people helping us with this uh, reopening or restoring hours. So here's just the full lineup of what our open hours are. In green are the branches and in bold are the branches that had one, two, or three hours that were missing from their public service hours. And here you can see a uh, more broken down of specifics of where they um, opened. I just, we have a number of branches that are now open at 10 a.m. on Mondays. So it's, we have a lot of patrons who will come and wait. At, you've probably seen them at the front door at one o'clock on a Monday waiting to come in or going to other branches that are nearby to come in. With these new service hours, we're able to provide more robust services, uh, possibilities for class visits, um, programs for elders uh, on these Monday mornings, which is really exciting to us. So all of these are the restored hours. We were just missing those 23. See, next, we've got some fun facts for you for SFPL trends, just some numbers about where our visits have gone they've increased quite a bit you've seen a lot of numbers from Randy and his team in RSA top locations for quarter 1 in terms of visitor counts Ortega Richmond Chinatown Bernal Heights and Sunset circulation here we are again you'll see the breakdown in um you know between physical and e which again Randy has provided you that data before, but just so you can see what it looks like here. Quarter one, in case you're interested, again, top presenters or top um, circulating branches in quarter one, Ortega, Richmond, Merced, West Portal, Portola and Sunset Branch. Another one that is big on public computer use. We've got um, Richmond, Chinatown, Ortega, North Beach, and Excelsior. So just some fun facts for, for those. And you know, we're really excited about the addition, uh, additional restored hours of those. Ortega has been open all of their hours, but Chinatown, Richmond, Sunset, Excelsior, West Portal, they're restoring additional three hours that were missing before so we can anticipate that um, we'll get more use. Patrons will be able to use their <laughs> public computers, they'll be checking out, they'll be visiting, all the things. So, all right. Thank you all.
7: Thank you, Rebecca. And just to clarify the point that um, Rebecca made earlier, we are the only major metropolitan area city in the state of California that has all of our library locations open seven seven days a week. You know, these other library systems have locations with seven day service, but they don't have all of their libraries open seven days a week. So there is a a big commitment to accessibility. And with this restoration of hours, we are now 4.4% above our charter mandate of 1400 weekly service hours. So we are delivering on what the voters asked of us and people, they really appreciate having robust hours of operation and that access. All right, next up, we have Ileana Pulu, our youth development coordinator, and she has a report out on our annual celebration of Latinx heritage, history, and culture, Viva. All
18: right, thank you, Michael, and um, good evening. Um, So on our initial slide here, you may have already seen this image and this wonderful artist. Um, But this is Juana Alicia Raisa, and this is her um, mural, um, Nopal de la Misión, which is a watercolor design for a glass mural that will be the highlight of the renovated Mission Branch Library that we're all very much looking forward to. Um, You can find out more about Juana Alicia um, on our website, and just she's very prolific. I've seen her in Mission Loco. I've seen her in El Tocco. Tecolote. Um, so wonderful, wonderful. She also has a and a about what libraries mean to her. So don't miss that. Um, So here on slide one, our ones on the same page selection for September and October is Solito by acclaimed author Javier Zamora, um, which offers a powerful journey through his unforgettable migration from El Salvador to the United States, a narrative of courage, resilience, and the search for identity. He will be in conversation with our own racial equity analyst, Hernan Acevedo, um, and this is happening next week. So even though Latinx, Heritage Month, Hispanic Heritage Month started in September. Um, We as San Francisco Public Library are embedding it and extending it throughout the year. So you'll be able to have opportunities to attend programs um, and at least appreciate some of the photos from programs that have already passed. Don't miss the Jewett Gallery that we're hosting, Mission Grafica, the San Francisco Graphic Arts Workshop, who's been a hub of diversity and cultural expression since 1982, showcasing a wide range of artists like Enrique Chagoya, excuse me, Carmen Lomas Garza and many more. We hosted Kidquake last week and um, there was a bunch of kindergartners um, through second graders and in between their time of coming in to listen to an author, um, they actually were able to also see this over at the Jewett. So it was nice to be able to, to share that as well. Um, We hosted an exciting lineup of California Latinx writers um, throughout our branch system and here at the main. Um, Here are some of the folks that were featured. And um, thanks to our fabulous collection development um, department, we distributed over 70 copies of the James Beard award-winning cookbook author, Ileana Maisonet, her book, Diasporican. Um, And she was at Excelsior and Ocean View Library. So that was new for us, and um, it was wonderfully received. Um, We also had some fascinating and entertaining events, including Hispanic Herbalism with Charles Garcia, a film screening of Faith in Blackness, which explores Afro-Latine spirituality, and Diana Gameros, who performed a beautiful musical set at our Excelsior branch. Um, and again, still to come, there's going to be a celebration of Latinx queerness of San Francisco 16th Street in the 80s and 90s with a documentary screening, live performances, and a star-studded panel with an after party at Mother Bar. It's tons of stuff. including our Dia de los Muertos community altars featuring Calixto Robles, Ali Bloom, Renee Familia, um, that will be at Bayview and Bernal um, next week as well. And we wouldn't be able to do any of this without our collections. Our Reader's Advisory Committee creates a wealth of book lists for all ages. And we focused on the themes of prosperity, progress and pride. Um, These lists are featured in our At the Library newsletter and on our Viva landing page. The next few slides have some of our youth and family programming, Um, a wonderful continuing partnership with the National Park Service, similar to our summer stride. Um, This experience started with a chartered bus pickup at the Mission Branch, a drop-off to El Polin Spring and the Presidio, where we were met by Ranger Fatima and Ranger Oliver, who were dressed as Juana Briones and her polinario, as she called him. Um, We listened to Juana's life story, the challenges and how she overcame them. Um, She led us through making our own handmade tortillas, which are delicious when you make your own. Um, and we had some fruit salad and some fruit-infused water with facts about what was available at the time and how folks would have used them. Um, I had the amazing honor to be on this trip and these patrons absolutely adored the mission branch staff. We're very appreciative of the work that they do um, and um, provide and seeing the opportunity that a program like this could provide. Music and dance for our youth and families um, started actually at SF MoMA with Danza Sitlali. You don't see that picture here, just imagine SF MoMA, Diego Rivera, and Danza Sitlali de San Francisco. And you can see them this weekend at the Marina Branches Open House. Um, as well as in November and December, because we're continuing to extend our celebrations. Um, We're also bringing a lot of music. Um, Renee y Familia is a Bay Beats inaugural band. Um, And um, we're also incorporating Cunamuacque, who does Peruvian instruments, um, in addition to a couple other folks that we've had before and that we're trying out. We do love our arts and crafts at the library, from repujado tin bookmarks to craft kits. The Museum of Craft and Design featured um, artist Liz Hernandez and uh, make art kits at many of our locations, as well as bringing Cindy Santamaria, illustrator and author, um, to Mission Branch and to a Moscone after school class visit. Her book was just released in June, so that was a big honor. Um, Finally, a lot of culture, uh, flavor, and color with our librarian-led events for youth. In reflecting the strong Latinx heritage and community, you can see locations setting up their community ofrendas, a library take on loteria, and drooling over the variety of pan dulce and hot chocolate. Maybe not today. That was so warm, but just think about it. Um, we invite our San Francisco community to participate in Viva events and dive into our book lists. This wouldn't be possible without our amazing staff and our welcome our welcoming patrons. And of course, thanks to the friends of the San Francisco Public Library. Thank you.
7: Thank you, Ileana. That is a perfect setup for our next presentation from our international jet setting Latina. Library leaders uh, Michelle Jeffers and Rebecca Alcala Veraflor—they recently got to go to Buenos Aires to attend the MetLib Library Conference and also share and showcase our great work here from San Francisco. Take it away, Michelle. Oops,
19: didn't realize it was already taken away. Hi, um, <laughs> thank you for having us here. I'm Michelle Jeffers. Rebecca Alcala Veraflor. We had the great pleasure to go to Buenos Aires, Argentina for the MetLib Conference 2023. And it's true what they say, yes, we went around the world and all we brought you back was this lovely presentation. (laughs) So, MetLib is a division of IFLA, which is the International Federation of Library Associations and Institutions. And this division, MetLib, specifically represents global urban libraries that serve a population of 400,000 or more. And, to give you a background about it a little bit. Um, The reason we went is that um, I've been part of this uh, Met Library Learning Circle workshop for the last, um, since last November. It's been a cohort of 20 librarians from around the world meeting every month. Um, For me in San Francisco, it means meeting at 6 a.m. That's true. Um, And we discuss issues facing urban libraries on a global basis and how libraries build partnerships with their community and their residents, how they, how they interact as as in our civil societies at large and how they build relationships with philanthropy and businesses as well. So we're led by the former director of parks and libraries in Helsinki, Finland, and he is now working on a book about the work that has come out of our efforts for the past year. But our overarching presentation in Argentina was about convivencia, um how libraries serve as learning grounds for the concept of convivencia, the idea that we are all in community together and despite the frictions that occur, we all work are working for the greater good and you know kind of leaning into those frictions to be better at um building a place that everyone is welcome. So the skills for convivencia as as we know there are things like um that are so perfect for libraries are attentiveness and curiosity about the world around you, your care for the life of the city, uh and able to have a global perspective on the work that we do and aversion to the pleasures of painting so not really seeing anybody as an other, recognizing again that everybody's welcome and then building that central place in your community, which is the library. So as I mentioned, this learning circle has been about 20 librarians and about half of us made the trip to Argentina to present on our efforts and our partnerships and connections. So my colleague in Chandahar, India presented on the efforts to help seniors become less isolated and more connected through both digital connections and also crafty. Um, From Finland, we had a presentation on the growing multilingual staff that they're hiring at the Helsinki Library, specifically to serve a more international community that lives there that speaks many other languages. In Toronto Public Library, they talked about intellectual freedom and their efforts to support um, the free exchange of ideas while respecting each other's privacies. Amsterdam talked about their efforts to um, build a new central library that by doing pop ups in the neighborhood where the new central library will be and really using the community, hiring the community to come in and lead those pop-ups and really explore what they want a library to be, whether it's a podcasting station or a bookstore or a record store, things like that. Um, And Buffalo, New York talked about the changing landscape of that city from being a very um, industrial city to losing some of those businesses and how that's reflected in their central library. And, Oddly, one of their issues is that they've had a great influx of teens using their library, and that creates frictions with some of the old timers who want the quiet library. Um, Michelle, oh, that's me. I presented on <laughs> I presented on middle ground, which you guys heard about. I think at the last commission meeting, but I thought it was really a great project in that we see our community outside the main library in a very non-judgmental way. And we really truly see each other. We really make the effort to connect with all the visitors to the main library. I thought it was a great example of the Convivencia concept. So in addition to this presentation from the Lab Live Learning Circle, we also got to attend you know, the entire conference and learned many things from it, um, global, library leaders were there presenting for us and so we among the topics was sustainability in libraries using the UN sustainable development model and how that's really creeping into or not creeping in but really being used by libraries to decide what they're doing talked about libraries as cultural hubs we saw how artificial intelligence is being concerning and and an opportunity for libraries around the world and inclusion experiences, one of the great examples was from Columbia, South Carolina, how they use their staff to convene and facilitate community discussions with, their, with residents, with business members, philanthropists to really solve the pressing problems of the city of Columbia. So really amazing stuff. Even better was that every afternoon we got to go on library, on cultural visits to visit other libraries in Buenos Aires and some museums too. Um, so this example is, and they also put us on this crazy party bus to go on these doors, it was bizarre, but um, this is a visit to the Miguel Cana Library in Buenos Aires, which is a very small neighborhood library, it's about the size I would say of like our Ocean View branch, and the first floor is just is the picture in the upper right, Um it's one of the things I learned there is that in there, it's one of uh, one of 31 branch libraries in the city of Buenos Aires. They, people can check out three books at a time. Um, there is an integrated catalog, but there's no integrated transfer. So if you want to check out a book and it's held at this branch, you have to go to that branch. You also have to return your book to that branch. There's no like mm-hmm. ability to transfer lo- items even though they're, they are one system. Um, Weirdly, this branch was also is also an added bonus, though, is that it's a very tiny branch library. But upstairs, this library was the location where the author, Jorge Luis Borges, worked as a librarian, mainly writing his books in his office instead of, you know, whatever, working on the floor But whatever. <laughs> and um, so the upstairs of this library is a museum dedicated to his work, the authors who inspired him. There's a little like an office that still stands with his desk and his writing instruments, his reading room and it's open all year long for the public to visit and anybody can go in and learn about this author and also spend time up there. It's really kind of a cool free space. And I'll let Rebecca talk about some of the tours that she went on.
3: Thank
6: you. Oh. So, uh, oh, let me switch it over here. All right. So part of what was really wonderful about this tour and my experience for me when we talk, when we think about the presentation that we've had and what people have asked for in terms of like cultural competency, not just the language, is critically important to providing library service, Right. So one of the things that was special about doing these library and cultural visits is understanding the framework in which some of our immigrants come to the US and understanding um, democracy and libraries. What was really special at this point is that Argentina is celebrating 40 years of democracy. If you recall, they had a dictatorship that ended in 1983. Um, and that they had many um desaparecidos or disappeared. You'll see some um on the left-hand side that's actually on the sidewalk in front of where the conference was held, which is they call uh, Biblioteca Senado, Senate, um, which is next to um their Library of Congress and also their House of Congress. And so here what you see on the sidewalk, it's library workers who were disappeared and they're honored. Um, and there are many of these that you'll see throughout the city honoring um that memory of those people who had gone missing during the dictatorship, during La like, guerracia or the dirty war. And so they're very proud of this forty years of democracy that have, they are um celebrating right now. Uh, and so you see that throughout all of the tours. I um was able to participate in the Spanish speaking tour. So actually Michelle and I were not in the same tours. They separated with um, translation. So I had a different group of folks that I was um, in convivencia with <laughs> with, with in, in these tours. And I got to hear about their experiences um, and how libraries are used in their countries, mainly in Latin America and in Spain as well. The Gabriel Garcia Marquez, uh, the director of Barcelona Libraries was in that tour as well. So I got to hear about them. What's very interesting. So here next to the sidewalk, you'll see um, at the top where it says 160 años or 160 years. This is the, their Library of Congress. Um, anybody can have a library card, but you can only enter with membership. It is not free access like we do. We don't. They don't open the doors and you just walk in. You have to go through a turnstile um, which is very different. You cannot check out from this location. You cannot check out, um, you, what we're looking at right now, where it says 160 years, that's that kind of reference point. That's where you go to ask for your book. They go down to the stacks on the escalator. There's like, I kid you not goes, up the escalator to where it go. It's like, it's very old school. Um, So a super different model than ours. Below that, I'm right in front of the double-decker bookmobile. Um, Their model is incredibly different from ours where they actually, um, and this is for the Library of Congress, okay? So it's not for the city of Buenos Aires, but the Library of Congress. They go out to rural communities and they actually stay out there for a week And they have the top of the, I didn't really get a good shot, but the second floor of the double decker bus is their um, tech space. So that's where they have laptops. The bottom one, the the entry level are books. Again, you cannot check out the books. You can read them there and then put them back. So they set up outside with all of the um, outside of the bookmobile uh, tables and such. So people can read and they do programs and sessions there. Very energetic librarians. They did a story time for us while we were on the bus, which was great. Next to that are two pictures from La Biblioteca Nacional de Miguel Moreno. And that is their kind of state library, I guess. Um, It is, they have a tango exhibit. And that's what I'm showing right there. It's a rich history of tango, of course, in Argentina. Um, So that was prevalent. Um, and then next to it is the a, a picture of the outside of the building with the, the group of library folks walking up to it. Six floors. Um, again, I, not able to check out, but you can read items in the library and then return them again. And th- there's a lot of strict rules. And, you know, it just <laughs> reminds me of how, what resource rich we are. Because when I would ask the other country, librarians from other countries, like, or when I asked the question, like, so they check out? <laughs> and they're like, no, <laughs> you can't take them home. You have to keep them here. Um, or they have the very strict rules, like, you know, you check out here, but you take back there. And then, and how many items do you get to check out when you do get to check out? Three items. And then they ask me, well, what do you do in San Francisco? 100 books and you get five renewals. It's amazing the resources that we have, but that was a great reminder. And I've been doing services for the Spanish speaking community all of my library career, Um, whether it's collection programming, developing programs and services or models. And this was a great reminder to me of that cultural competency that's needed when we're working with the public. Understanding really where they're coming from so that when they say, wait, I can check this out, we don't look at them quizzically and say, yeah, you can check it out. But like, yeah, here you get to check it out. Isn't that amazing? You know? So it was a great experience. I'm very excited and honored that I got to be the cheer person here for Michelle and her program. Um, And so, yeah, I'm happy to ask Any questions, but I will say the Librarian of Congress is really interested in what we do here. (laughs) Thank
7: you. Thank you. Thank you, La Jefas. Yes, (laughs) La Jefas, yes. (laughs) And that concludes the City Librarian's Report.
1: Um, Thank you very much. Um, Great presentations from uh, Rebecca, from Ileana and um, getting a little tourist um, view of the library system in um, Brazil. Um, we will open this up for public comment uh, first here in Corrett and then move to the Zoom platform. Public comment is now open here in correct.
3: Peter Warpeal, Executive Director, Library Users Association,
4: Library Users2004 at yahoo.com and P.O. Box 170544, San Francisco, California, 94117-0544. So first of all, thank you for the presentations very much. Certainly have a lot of questions and perhaps comments, but I'd like to uh, focus primarily on the hours. You have increased the weekly service hours by 23, but there's only one out of 13 locations that has had a single minute added to the evening hours. And if you look at the library's every five year surveys, and I'm serious, the library has done surveys every five years by law about what people want. And one of the things is what hours would you like? And in every instance, almost without exception, maybe one or two branches because of particular programs. Folks have said they would like, if they could get more hours, they'd like more evenings and weekends. And this is an example of the library being apparently unwilling or unable to listen yet again to what the public wants and to either manufacture consent or manufacture the illusion of consent or just not ask anybody at all. Or if they've asked, just ignore it. Why is this? The library has also cut back from the number of days on which you can go in an evening after six o'clock to any location. It used to be four nights a week. Instead of having 28 locations where you could go somewhere every night of the week, the library has only three nights a week, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. It has continually shrunk that, as well as the evening hours now in every location are only eight o'clock, where in most instances there were two or three nights, nine o'clock closures. Yet that's the most desired, according to the library's own surveys. Unfortunately, this is an example only of where the library is simply not listening to what the public wants, even when it has given it a chance in a limited way to express its wish. The library services, by the way, so, uh, surveys, by the way, never asked people if they would like Friday night or Saturday night or Sunday night uh, as an open as an, as an, as an evening. Um, I wanted to say with respect to the planning, we haven't heard the consideration of those surveys. We haven't cons- heard the consideration of, above all, what this library commission members want. I heard the chair say, the president's say she wasn't happy with where it was going. Where is your direction? You're the policy
3: body. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you very much. Any further public comment here in Corret? We'll now turn to um, public comment via the Zoom platform. Operations, if there's anyone wanting to make a public comment, please put them through. Thank you.
2: Madam President, at this time, there are no commenters in the queue. I will pause briefly to allow anyone who wishes to do so to raise their hand. Madam President, there are no callers in the queue at this time.
1: Thank you very much operations seeing that there's no further public comment either here in incorrect or on the zoom platform um, public comment on item number five is now closed and we will open it up for comments questions and discussion from the commissioners. Um, Anyone wish to make a public comment. I have to say once again, this was a fantastic series of presentations. Um, Rebecca, you provided great um, milestones and information about usership and hours. And that's really great to see that we're back to such a high level of engagement. So thank you for your efforts. And please extend our gratitude to the branch teams for all the efforts that they're making to make the library open. Um, um, Ileana, we just want to thank you and all the people who have been um, supporting your efforts and your leadership and everybody in all the different branches and areas for what you have um, um, accomplished. And that was really terrific. And finally, I just want to go on record and Correct myself that I know that Buenos Aires is in Argentina. I said Brazil earlier. (laughs) um, And really glad, Michelle, that you're part of this incredible international cohort that's quite an honor and distinction, well deserved. And we're so honored that the library is represented through your leadership. So thank you. Um, So we just want to, did you want to say something? Just
15: real quick. Yeah. just, just Just real quick on the opening and the hour graph on 58. So it looks like from Total zero to back to normal service and indicated by hours, it took us roughly three years.
7: 42 right? months by my count, 40, March 2020 months? to October 2023. So, two years. Actually, I think it's 40 months.
15: 40 months. So, okay. So, wow. Okay. It's a lot. All right.
7: Closing the system was the hardest thing.
15: Well, I'm just ever done. I mean, yeah, and and more importantly, I think from a just from a recovery point of view, uh, we hear a lot. Excuse me about okay, you know, things are not the way they used to be. You know, in the old in the good old days or the before times before COVID. But if you look at the general macroeconomics, you look at the city, you look at just the world in general. It's changed like literally figuratively in all aspects, the world has changed. You just look at downtown. And so just the fact that we've got the hours up and the people are coming back and that distribution or what, what do we call it? Circulation. Gosh, just, I'll learn this one day <laughs> that circulation is at a good point. Um, it's just really a testament to all the great work that that the staff does. And I just really wanted to showcase that this graph just like, wow. I mean, that's, I think, (laughs) well, let's hope we remember, and I hope this never happens again. we ever go through one of these pandemic things, we really need to think about this whole strategy because clearly it impacted a lot of people and hurt a lot of people. So kudos to everyone for doing this. This, I know how hard this is. Thank you. Good job. Uh,
1: Thank you for that, um, Jari. And we know that it entailed not only the branch staff, but like human resources for rehiring. I mean, it really took a village, a whole community of 900 staff to make this work. So I just want to thank everybody for that. And always great to hear about all the programs that we do for these different celebrations of different cultures that are always more than a month. I love that they're always more than a month. And um, so anyway, Yes, is, is, uh, than more than a month. So thank you all, really the best. Thank you, Michael, for your continued leadership. Um, and so we conclude um, the main portion of our meeting, and we will go to adjournment to item number six. And we are very honored and humbled to be able to adjourn the meeting in the memory and legacy of Senator Dianne Feinstein. And I turn it over to you, Michael Lambert.
7: Thank you, President Wolfe. I appreciate this opportunity to pay tribute to our late Senator and Mayor, Dianne Feinstein. On September 29th, 2023, Senator Feinstein passed away. Dianne Feinstein is the longest serving Senator to represent California and the United States Senate and the longest serving woman Senator in the history of the United States. She was a fearless, trailblazing lawmaker. She was the first woman who served as president of the San Francisco Board of Supervisors, the first woman elected as mayor in San Francisco, and the first woman in the U.S. Senate from the state of California, the first woman to chair the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence, the first woman to serve on the Senate Judiciary Committee, and the longest serving woman in Senate history. She was well known among Democrats and Republicans for her ability to find common ground in order to get things done for the people she represented serving with grace, strength, and integrity. Once a mayor, always a mayor. As many folks who work with her or in the city have seen, her dedication to San Francisco never wavered or waned. She brought the city back together after the devastating murder of Mayor Moscone and Supervisor Harvey Milk and led it through the HIV-AIDS epidemic. Her legislative accomplishments were many. She wrote and passed legislation to ban assault weapons, preserved the desert, and secured the reauthorization of the Violence Against Women Act. Feinstein mentored both women and men in public service, rooted on her steadfast value of integrity and driving for a hopeful future. She will be remembered as an indomitable lawmaker and dedicated public servant, inspiring generations of women to break barriers and seek positions of leadership. Born and raised in San Francisco, she loved this city and was a true daughter of San Francisco. She was gold in peace and fire and war. May she rest as she lived in power. I appreciate your consideration of adjourning today's meeting in her memory. Um, Connie, could I add something to that? Should we?
1: During public comment?
13: Um, to... I, th- I think it's fine. Yeah, yeah go, ahead. go ahead. Sure. Okay. Okay. Um, that was a beautiful tribute. And I just wanted to tell a brief story how um, I met Diane Feinstein when we moved and this sort of confirms everything that the strategic plan is working on. When my husband and I moved to the Bay Area, I didn't have a job and I didn't have any friends. Um, and I went to the Mill Valley Library and the Mill Valley Library had some kind of women's, you know, they had a thing on a billboard and they were running groups for women talking about jobs. I don't know what it was. Anyway, I went to this gathering and there were maybe 10 women and we had to go around the table, say, what at this moment would our dream job be? And I said, my dream job right now, this was 1975, would be to work for Dianne Feinstein. She it was her first run for mayor. And there was somebody sitting next to me. And she said, oh, well, I have a friend. Call my friend. hmm, And that friend called that friend. And that friend called that. Anyway, that encounter developed into a lifelong relationship with Senator Feinstein. And it started, I realized, I hadn't even thought about this till today. It started at a library. So.
1: Bravo. (laughs) The power of a library. The power of a library. Thank you. Um, we will open it up to public comment before we return to the um, comments and voting for adjournment in honor of and in the memory of uh, Senator Diane Feinstein. So public comment is now open in Corrette and it will be followed by public comment from our Zoom um, participants.
3: Peter Warfield, Library Users Association. I certainly uh, support
4: your uh, intention to adjourn in memory of Diane Feinstein. Uh, I lived, unfortunately, uh, through those times, and I still get chills when I think of how she spoke when we first heard the news from City Hall. And since then, I've thought this was pure poetry in a sort of a sad way but it's nonetheless every word was necessary every word was important every word was explaining what was happening not a word could have been dropped not a word could have been added to make it better and without quoting the whole thing as president of the board of supervisors it is my duty to inform you and then
3: she told us what had happened at city hall that made her the mayor. Uh, I
4: did wanna go again and say that there were many questions that you raised during the discussion here on the library business. Uh, And thank you
3: to Commissioner Mall for that lovely story. Um, There are many things that were raised here.
4: I think in particular, Commissioner Malls' question about why weren't we included. I think there needs to be a process for us and anybody else who would like to say something about this to be be able to respond to public calls, repeated public calls, in different locations and at different times to participate. There was no particular publicity for this library meeting to talk about the strategic plan or where the library should be going, nor was there, in my view, anything Uh, advertising the openness or any openness about any of the groups that uh, you have collected to provide input. Uh, As I said, the one contact I had was with an interruption survey, whatever you call it, and that was something where it was so specific to the questions, I wanted to say a lot more, and I did to the person giving the questionnaire,
3: but it didn't count, so to speak, as input. And I agree with the chair
4: about this, but I do think that there needs to be very serious direction and discussion and open discussion about where the library is headed. That, of all things, would be something for the public to participate in at library commission meetings and elsewhere, like I said, like with branch uh, improvement program programs at every
3: single branch, at least once. You should insist that future agenda items be on
1: Thank you very much for your comments and remembrance of um, that evening so long ago that was a turning point for our community and our city and our country. Um, any further public comment here incorrect? Um, I now turn to um, operations. If there's anyone on the Zoom platform wishing to make a comment, please put them through at this time. Thank you.
2: Madam President, we have one caller in the queue. I will put them through now. Caller Maureen, your three minutes will begin as soon as you start speaking.
16: Good evening, Commissioners. Maureen Singleton. I consider myself lucky to be have happy- have born and been born and raised in the city of San Francisco, and luckier still to have met and worked for Sen- Senator Feinstein. I first met her when I was 13, when my dad was part of the San Francisco Cork Sister City Committee. He was really proud to be a participant as an Irish immigrant and honored to work for Mayor Feinstein because she saw value in cultivating community and celebrating both what we have in common and our differences so that we can learn about each other and then build bonds and respect for each other. I distinctly remember there were two planes in the delegation that went to Ireland and there was a dress code. I had to wear nylons, a dress and heels on the airplane. It was definitely not what I wanted to do as a 13 year old, but because Mayor Feinstein wanted it, I did it. Because I grew up seeing Senator Feinstein in a leadership role, I knew that women should lead and that we should be at the table helping make decisions. I proudly voted for her when she ran for governor and senator, and I knew when I graduated from college that I just had to work for her. I finally got that chance in 1995 and started off as a receptionist in her San Francisco office. I remember meeting her that first time and her telling me that I was an ambassador to her office and for the people of California. She expected us to be professional, kind, do our homework and work hard. And trust me, she checked up on you. She would call the front phone and make sure you were quick and polite. And it's why to this day, when I answer the phone at work, I still say the organization I work for, my name and how may I help you. Senator Feinstein was also a kind and caring leader. She treated her staff like family and her concern for me while I dealt with a major health issue while working is something I'll never forget. I'm eternally grateful that I got to work for Senator Feinstein and for the friendships that I made while working there that endure to this day. Anyone who worked for Senator Feinstein knew that she saw public service both as a calling and a commitment. And because of her and my mother, that's exactly how I feel today. May Senator Feinstein's positive impact on women and the community live on and may she rest in power. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to speak in honor of
3: her.
2: Thank you, caller. There are no additional commenters at this time, Madam President.
1: Um, Thank you very much, and um, um, thank you to Maureen Singleton for her very moving and personal story that was quite inspiring. Um, Seeing there's no further public comment, public comment is now closed, and um, we now turn to uh, adjourning the meeting. Would someone like to make a motion? Um, I'd like
14: to make a motion to adjourn this meeting in memory of Senator Diane Feinstein.
1: And do we have a second? Second. So we have a motion from Commissioner Lopez and a second from Commissioner Mall to adjourn the meeting in memory and honor of the legacy and contributions of Senator Dianne Feinstein.
0: And I'll take the roll call. Commissioners, please say aye or no when I call your name. President Wolf? Aye. aye. Commissioner
1: Mall? Aye. aye. Commissioner Lopez? Aye. Commissioner Bolander? Aye. aye. The uh, motion passes unanimously. Thank you very much for coming. Thank you, fellow commissioners, for all your great comments and to the great staff of the San Francisco Public Library for making this meeting so meaningful. And we will see you in November. Thank you.